Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OH! Ohio! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs. Those two gentlemen up there, those fine gentlemen, are the wild man, Chris Wilds, and Sergeant MVP, Aaron Brown. And you are you, and we are so thankful that you decided to be with us once again tonight as we preview Ohio State's big game against Penn State. 
Looking forward to that matchup this Saturday in the shoe. Of course, you can read all about it on Scarlet and Game, or you can find articles from myself and other great writers. We are the official Ohio State podcast of Scarlet and Game and Fan Sided, as well as Big Banter Sports. BigBanterSports.com. Uh, Go over to that website. Check that out. 14 great podcasts from all 14 Big Ten schools, soon to be 18 after this season. And they are gearing up for basketball as well as in the midst of a great football season in the Big Ten. Okay, I lied. It's really not been that great in the Big Ten. It's been great for about three teams in the Big Ten. It's arguable about Iowa right now, although they are the walking wounded. And for the rest of the Big Ten, it's been pretty bad, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Aaron's going to talk about all about that on the uh, on the Big Ten huddle tonight. He's the special guest as they preview Penn State. But we're going to preview from the Ohio State perspective. And let's dive right into it tonight, guys. The game is this Saturday. It is 12 p.m., 12 nooner on Fox. It's a big noon kickoff game there on the Fox network. Looking forward to... Uh, uh, that great crew again, and if unless you get the chance to be at the game, and if you are, make sure you are loud and proud. They are calling for the loudest crowd in Ohio State history this Saturday. They want this place rocking. Taking a look at the history of Ohio State and Penn State by the numbers, Ohio State leads the all-time series 23 games to 14. Ohio State has won the last six in a row. That is also the longest winning streak by Ohio State in this series. The last loss to Penn State was in 2016 by the score of 24-21. to 21. Of course, last year, Ohio State won 44-31 in what was the greatest game by a defensive end in JTT. Uh, let's see. Last meeting in Columbus was 2021. Ohio State won 33 to 24 largest margin of victory for the Buckeyes came in 2013. That was a 63 to 14 beatdown. Largest margin of defeat, same score, 1994, 63 to 14 was the score in that one. Penn State's longest win streak of Ohio State is four games that came in between the years of 1912 to 1964. Like we said, Ohio State's in the midst of a six-game winning streak that began in 2017, and hopefully Ohio State can add to that this Saturday with their seventh win in a row. Ryan Day's record against the Nittany Lions is 4-0, and and James Franklin's record against Ohio State is an ugly 1-8. and that is a bad number right there. Looking at the last 10 games between these two teams, as you can see, Ohio State is 9-1 in the last 10. 2016, that was the 24-21 loss to the Nittany Lions. And it's been pretty close for the most part. I, there's been no game other than 2013 where you see that 63-14 score. The rest of them all pretty close. 2015 was 38-10. That's a 28-point score. But look at look at uh, 2017, 39-38. 2018, 27 to 26. 2019, it was a little bit more of a distance there. 28-17. I mean, this is one of those series, guys, where these two teams, in a lot of ways, are very, very similar. But yet, despite the fact that they're so similar. You have a situation where Ohio State has seemed to has seemed to be able to kind of win those close games. Kind of getting your feel here, Aaron. Why do you think is Ohio State's been so successful in those close games? <clears throat> Honestly, I think looking at like with Urban Meyer, that's a lot of experience right there. 
you know, whereas James Franklin, I, I know he came from Vanderbilt, but it's Vanderbilt. Okay. <laughs> Let's be honest. Those games, they either win or they get thrashed. Okay. And I think that it just comes down to the experience factor. Uh, Ryan Day's had some great mentors with Chip Kelly, and then he worked under Urban Meyer as well. So I can't help but think that a lot of that experience rubbed off on him. Chris, your thoughts? Well, yeah, I agree with Aaron, but I would also say that in recent years, I would say maybe even up until this season, I think we've had a decided edge in talent. Uh, I think that Penn State has closed that gap somewhat. This may be the best team that Penn State has fielded since the days of Kerry Collins and Kijana Carter. Wow. I mean, this is th- this talent-wise may be that good of a team. Now, that being said, they have yet to really be tested. That is true. Right. Okay. Much but- like Maryland, who was 5-0 and when they came in and were very much untested to that point. Fair, fair enough. I'm not going to argue those points. All right, Chris, let's break this down statistically. You want to start with Penn State or Ohio State first? Uh, let's start with Ohio State first, Eric. Let's do it. So Ohio State comes in averaging 443 yards of offense per game. That's 32nd in college football. They're actually up to completing about 44% on third down, 40th best in college football. Uh, red zone scoring, we're at 82.6%. That's 54th best in college football. Defensively, now this is where we've seen tremendous improvement. Seventh overall in college football. Turnover margin, we are plus two now, 21st best in college football. Penalties per game, again, I think we've seen a large improvement here as well. 6.67, that's 56th best in all of, the, of college football. Individually, <clears throat> Kyle McCord comes in as our passing leader. He's 109 of 170 for 1,651 yards, 11 touchdowns, and only one interception. Travion Henderson comes in as our rushing leader, although it has been kind of rushed by committee the last couple weeks. Uh, He comes in and should be healthy this week. He's got 44 carries for 295, five touchdowns. Marvin Harrison Jr., no surprises, our receiving leader with 31 catches for 604 yards and five touchdowns. Defensively, we've got Tommy Eichenberg. Again, no big surprise there, leading the team in tackles with 46. Hey, JT Tumaluau, that's right. We've got a defensive end leading our our team in uh, sacks now with three sacks. And you know what? This is where he made his move last year. So let's see if he can replicate that this year. Interceptions, we got several guys with one interception, including Josh Proctor, Denzel Burke, Steel Chambers, Lathan Ransom, and Jermaine Matthews Jr. Defensive touchdowns, hey, we've had a few of those this year too, guys. We have Josh Proctor with one, Tyleek Williams with one, and Jermaine Matthews Jr. with one. Jay Fielding, 7 for 7 on field goals of 41 yards with with a long of 41 yards. And we actually saw him miss an extra point last week, which makes him 27 of 28 on the season. It was in the air over there at West Lafayette, you could say. It wasn't just in the air. If you guys watched any of the pro football games, I mean, you had San Francisco's kicker miss two field goals. You had Cleveland's kicker miss a field goal. Everybody was missing field goals last week, Eric. So 
Let's flip over to Penn State now. Penn State, they come in averaging 426.7 yards per game on offense. That's 42nd best in college football. Third down conversion rate, they are at 48.3%. That's 19th best in the CFB. We got red zone scoring. Now, this is impressive at 93.9%, 15th best in the country. They are the number one defense in the country. Again, they're playing teams like UMass. So what do we really expect? Their powerhouse was Iowa. That was their powerhouse offense they faced, Iowa. So turnover margin, they are plus 10, second best in the country. Penalties per game, 5.17. That's good enough for 39th in the country. Individual stats. Now, offensively, the Ohio kid, Drew Aller, he's 118 of 181 passing for 1,254 yards. He's got 12 touchdowns, no interceptions. Katron Allen, he leads the rushing game, 78 carries, 375 yards, three touchdowns. We've also got Natron Singleton. Nick, He's got Nicholas. 89 cares. Nick, What's that? Nicol- Nicholas. I'm sorry, Singleton. Nicholas. I don't know where I see name. I was mixing the two names. We've got Nicholas Singleton with 89 rushes for 362 yards and six touchdowns. And how about Keandre Lambert-Smith, possibly the only guy on that team who can catch a ball, 31 receptions for 402 yards, three touchdowns. Defensively, They've got 23 tackles by Curtis Jacobs, five sacks by Adisa Isaac, who leads the team. You've got two interceptions by Daquan Hardy, a defensive touchdown by Dominic DeLuca. Kicking the ball, they've got Alex Falcons, who is seven of nine on field goals with a long of 47 yards and 29 of 29 on extra points. So those are the statistics. Aaron, what are we going to see on the field? Well, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, Eric, you want to queue up the uh, the first video there for me? Yeah, let's let's look at this sack, shall we? Yes, let's take a look at the sack here. And I I this I pointed out stuff on film tonight, okay? Because these were very common things that I saw, regardless of who Penn State was playing. All right, there's nothing technical necessarily that they're doing that I wanted to point out. It's just the idea that regardless of who they have played this year, whether it was Illinois, Northwestern, Iowa, UMass, they got home. They could make plays from the end and from the inside. They were capable of getting to the quarterback, collapsing the pocket, and making him try to make a play. So it's going to be important for Kyle McCord to recognize when the pocket is starting to fold and then make a play. If he needs to get outside of it to make a throw – he needs to be able to recognize that early. Yeah, and you, uh, let's, huh? I, I thought it was interesting. You see the linebacker number zero creep up and he rushes. And then the uh, defensive end up at the top of the screen falls back into coverage there. It's still a four man rush, but it, it comes heavy on the right hand side. Yeah. You want to know where you've seen that before? Sure. Ohio state versus Alabama in the, uh, the CFP semifinal in 2015 or 14. Okay. When the defensive end dropped into coverage, uh, mm-hmm. Steve, what was his name? I forget. His first name was Steve. Stevie Steve. There you yeah, go. Stevie Steve. But, yeah, he got the pick, and then there's a pick six. That's where you've seen that before. 
All right, so let's move on to the next one. This is the defensive touchdown. There's a defensive uh, turnover is what we got here. And I just wanted to illustrate, I just wanted to illustrate that they do play coverage well, just like we do. This is one of the strong suits of their defense is their secondary and linebacker coverage. Uh, This is just something that they're able to do. And when you throw in the fact that they get pressure on the quarterback, uh, it makes bat, it makes the quarterback make poor decisions. Well, we've seen Kyle McCord. He's done quite well protecting the football this season, but one thing that he tends to do is underthrow his receivers. That's a problem that he has, and we haven't. I I have no reason to believe that he has fixed it. I hope that he has, but there hasn't really been any evidence that that he can lead the receiver in a pass. So this could be an issue for us. And I also picked this video because, again, across all the games that Penn State has played, what they do really well is capitalize on turnovers, okay? That is how they beat Iowa in the second half. Northwestern gave Penn State all they wanted in the first half. But then the turnover started coming, and Penn State capitalized and pulled away from them in the second half. So it's going to be extremely important that we protect the football, keep Kyle McCord in a situation where he can make good decisions with the ball and where he's throwing it. Uh, this is in this play, you got a five-man rush, and then they drop back, and and it looks like zone. Am I correct in that? Yes, that is absolutely yeah. a zone. It was actually a cover three. If you did, you watch where the uh, the linebackers dropped to? Yeah, they, they went like, to. They went yeah. to deep thirds, mm-hmm. as the corners did. It's just they were underneath of them. Yeah, so that was just good coverage. This is my. This might be where, unless it's third and long, Kyle just dumps it off right here. You know. Yeah, and that wouldn't be a bad idea either, because if you get, uh, did you see at the top of the screen before he threw it? I don't know if that's a tight end. I th- yeah, it's, number yeah, eighty-one. It's the, it's the tight end who was in on blocking, and then yeah, and then he just whiffs him. Didn't see him. He yeah. should be able to get about ten yards on that play if he's yes. You know, now imagine that being Travion. Yeah, you you see what I'm saying? So uh-huh. there's an opportunity right there on film that Ohio State can capitalize on when they see that that lineup because that's you could see the linebackers creeping in. All right. They weren't coming mm-hmm. and then they just folded back. And that's something that they're going to have to recognize uh, on offense. That is OK. Let's go to the next one. And this is this is uh, now we're flipping over to the offense and taking a look at their loan. Uh, what we're kind of saying is the, the wide receiver we need to pay attention to. Yes, yes. And Chris highlighted his statistics. His name's Keandre uh, Lambert Smith. And it's not that they don't have other guys. It's just that of those guys, this is the one. OK, this is the guy that Denzel Burke is going to have to lock down. Um, we did healthy. get a good report yeah. today. Yeah, we did get a good report today from Coach Day that uh, Burke should, I believe he is expected to play. Um, I don't know a percentage of how healthy he is, but Coach Day said he's good to play. So um, it's going to be vital that that Denzel locks this guy down and forces one of the other receivers that haven't really performed at this high of a level. They're going to have to force those guys to make plays. Uh, And that's what we want. We want to try to make Penn State one dimensional. If we can take away their pass game and force them to run, that is Mm -hmm. that is hugely in our favor. 
Yeah. The other thing that's interesting about this play that you're looking, this is the second longest play from scrimmage Penn State's had this whole season right here. Yeah, and it was largely due to a broken tack or a yeah. Yeah, broken tackle. So think about yeah. that for a minute, guys. They're the f- they're not this they're not that scary. Yeah. The the first the longest play they've had was the first uh, touchdown pass in Drew Aller's season against West Virginia. He had a 75-yard touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. Since then, this is the second biggest <clears throat> play from scrimmage Penn State has had. So, they are not they are not explosive offensively. No, they are not a big play offense at all. Uh, they are a clock management team. That's something I observed. They are really good at converting third downs. And if they're inside of your 40, you can bank on them going for it on fourth. Um, and they are highly successful at it. Uh, they use their running backs well. Uh, remember what Notre Dame did? They utilized, what, five running backs on us? Mm-hmm. But I'll be straight up with you. Uh, the two running backs that Chris highlighted, those guys, uh, what was it, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, mm-hmm. um, those two guys probably are more talented than all five of Notre Dame's backs combined. Mm-hmm. They, Penn State can run the ball. Let's take a look at them in this run play, then, at least one of yes. them here. Yes. I can get it to pull up. Here we go. All right, so this is just a simple, uh, a simple. I think this was actually a lead, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Let me see what. Yeah. Yeah, because they're in. Looks like 20 personnel. They got two backs, no tight ends, and what you'll see is uh, number 40 something, 44, 44 led up through the hole. So that's just a lead play. But what I observed is, is Penn State will also do split zone blocking which is something that as Ohio State fans we should recognize. Uh, So they'll just be in basically 11 or 12 personnel on those calls, and the tight end will come backside across the offensive line and kick out the end to make sure he doesn't come down behind the offensive line and get a tackle for loss. So um, that's something Penn State does often, and something else I wanted to point out out of this formation and uh, 11 and 10 personnel, uh, Penn State – They'll do a play action, and the running back will kind of go into a swing route, a swing pass, if you will. Um, And they do a lot of damage to teams with that because a lot of times the linebackers will leave their zones or get lost in the middle of the field, and Mm -hmm. that he just sneaks right out to the side, and Aller will hit him, and they do some serious damage to teams with that. Kind of getting lost. Getting lost in the sauce, huh? Yeah, they really do. I've, I saw it across other than UMass because, well, they just didn't have a shot. But uh, they hurt West Virginia with that play. They killed Iowa with it. Anytime that Iowa would get them in third and long, they would run that play and they'd pick up the first down. Or they would get fourth and inches, and then they would just do like I said. They'd run it and pick it up anyway. So, I mean, we, that's something that Steel Chambers and Sunny Styles are really going to have to pay attention to. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's before we move on to our predictions, let's do this, and then uh, we'll take a quick commercial break. What are the keys to the to victory for Ohio State in this game, Chris? I'll start with you. What do you think that? Just give me two or three keys to the victory. I don't. Do you hear Chris? Nope. He's for, muted. for me. It's all there about defense. Um, <clears throat> I think we have to limit them, especially on third down. Uh, actually, the key, I think, is limiting them to two or fewer yards on first down, two, three yards max. 
keep them to where they are in a long situation on second and third downs because, as Aaron said, they are very efficient on third down, and they're going to go for it on fourth if it's close. Um, so I think the key is the defense has to be on top of it. We have to be you know, really strong in that run game. And offensively, I think we just got to be smart with the ball. Uh, we can't be taking negative plays. We got to go forward. We can't be having, uh, you know, screen passes and fumbles and things that go backwards five and ten yards at a time. Yeah. We've got to capitalize on the opportunities to score because, as Aaron mentioned, this is a ball control offense. That's one of the reasons I think it is going to be a lower scoring game. Mm-hmm. False starts, delay games, that crap. You can't. We yes. can't be doing that. Yeah. Aaron, your keys to victory for Ohio State. So on defense, uh, I'm not going to get too deep into these because these are phrases that everybody will understand. On defense, we need to get home, lock down Lambert Smith, fill the gaps on run plays. Offense, we got to come out swinging, build on the momentum from Purdue. We need to control the clock, and we need touchdowns, not field goals. So Penn State, in a lot of ways, offensively, their success has been set up by the defense creating three and outs, and turnovers. So we need to take care of the football. This might be one of those games where Trestle Ball, you know, Trestle's famous quote, I want every series to end in a kick, whether that be an extra point, a field goal, or a punt, every series needs to end with a kick. Um, that This is the type of game where that really means something. You cannot give Penn State short field in a game where your defense is is going to be expected to be top-notch once again. If this turns out to be another Notre Dame-style game where the defense is out there on the field a lot, it, that does not bode well for, uh, for us. They will be tired in the fourth quarter again because Penn State wants to sustain drives. So we need to take care of the football on offense. I agree, Aaron. Seven, not threes. But let's let's get on the board. We need to consistently get on the board. And then the other thing is we need to get off the field on defense and and then sustain drives on offense. If we're sustaining drives, or as you said, clock manage, we manage the clock. We sustain drives, we win. If they're sustaining drives and we're not getting off the field, then I think they're going to win. I don't anticipate losing the turnover battle again like we did in West Lafayette. We lost the turnover battle 2-0, to 2-0. Oh, to zero. Now, I understand one of those turnovers was literally in our own end zone where, you know, would have been seven. But that, to my point, we didn't create any either. Now, there was a lot of three and outs Saturday, and we were creating good field position based off of our defense just flat out stopping their offense. And that's almost as good as a turnover itself. But point, point was standing, get off the field on defense, allow the offense to get on the field and sustain drives. Um, The offensive line, this is the biggest challenge they've had this year. We, all the questions we had about the offensive line get answered this Saturday, in my opinion. Yes. Um, If they are who we thought they were and they're not very good, there's a very good chance that McCord gets rattled. He doesn't have time to throw the football. We can't utilize our, our, our great weapons on the outside. We're not getting a good push in the run game. It's going to be a long day for Ohio State. It's going to be a struggle to get a victory. If the offensive line's doing a good job pass pro and pass pro and getting somewhat of a push in the running game, I think we win this football game, guys. 
I think it comes down at the big uglies this 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 uh, Saturday. All right, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're gonna uh, we uh, gonna play for you if you're listening to the audio version. Uh, we're gonna play for you an interview from a Penn State podcast that we had earlier in the week, and then we're gonna give you our predictions and tell you how we think the game's gonna go. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. I'm your host Buckeye Boggs. That guy over there is Alec Whitaker. He's the host of the Booze Bets and Ball, a Penn State podcast. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I was practicing all day, my man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start here, Alec. This is a big game, man, for yeah. both of our teams. Uh, this is one we've had circled uh, all off season. Uh, I mean, you guys come into this game undefeated. We come into this game undefeated. We've had some nail biter, well, a nail biter. Right. Um, uh, you guys have seemed to be pretty much smooth sailing through the first part of your schedule. Uh, this is where the champions are made, man. So, and you know, I heard something earlier today. I thought was it blew me away. I didn't realize it. This is the first time we've played each other undefeated. Really? I, that's what I heard. I was like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> And then I go back in my head and I, and I realize I think oh yeah every time we've played one another we one of us has had an L right yeah because 2016 Penn State had two 2017 you guys had one 28 are they both undefeated in 2018 I don't think so because that was early in the season it was only like the fourth week so I don't know maybe maybe that that might be the one year where I think that it's possible. Yeah, I have to go back and double check. Yeah. I probably should have done that before I got. There, I, <laughs> I think I, if but. if if I had to pick a season, I think it might be that one. So this is this is really awesome. I mean, usually when we play each other, you know, there's a lot riding on this game, and so yeah. there's, this is no different this year as well. So that being said, let's start here, man. Where you're at in your season, what are you and the fan base? Are you guys kind of like, okay, we're gonna find out what we are, or do you guys pretty much feel like, hey, we know who we are? We're riding high going into this one. Where, what's, where's the fan base at here? Uh, you know, I, I think it, it's kind of where it was at the beginning of the year. I think a lot of us believe there was about a 98% chance they were going to be undefeated coming into this game, and that's that's been the case. Uh, playing Iowa and Illinois on the road were like a couple games where like, and eh, maybe you can possibly get upset. Uh, both those games were pretty smooth for the most part. I, I think we know – where we are with the defense, everyone feels pretty good about that unit. Uh, a lot of people tell you they'll, they'll wait till they play Michigan, honestly, and see if they try to run the ball 50 times again down their throats before they make a true assumption on the uh, the defense. But that, that unit feels good. The offense, I still think people are waiting to see if there's another gear there. I, I think that's the one area where there's question marks about you know, are they going to throw downfield more? And honestly, it's, it's pretty much been there's not been a lot of explosive plays. Uh, mm-hmm. It's funny. They came out and four plays into the season against West Virginia, they hit on a 70-yard touchdown. And everyone kind of thought, oh, is that how the whole season's going to go? Like, we're just going to be going deep. Guys will be making plays. And since then, it honestly hasn't happened. Uh, Nick Singleton has not been explosive yet this season. He's only averaging, I think, 4.1 yards a carry. He was close to seven if not over seven last year in that number so still waiting for him kind of katron allen is what he is i mean it's five try to get five yards you know you're not he's not a guy you think is going to go for 20 on any play he's just a grinder and so he's been about where we expect him to be he's right around five yards a carry but i think singleton 
getting going and breaking some big runs and more shots downfield is kind of the two things with the offense we're still waiting for. Special teams, no one thought it was going to be a strength. Uh, it's kind of been down the middle. It hasn't won them anything really yet. It hasn't totally killed them yet either. Uh, you know, that, that we'll see this week if that changes. But I think the defense, everyone is where they are. You know, everyone feels good. Everyone did feel good coming in. So that that's kind of where it should be. Special teams was down the middle. I think offense is kind of the one part where people are still waiting to see a second gear. You know, as you, you know, you brought up the the throwing down the field, and I I I watched um, the James Franklin interview where he yeah. kind of goes off on these the media member and is like, "You make my yeah. skin crawl." <laughs> I'm like, "What?" Yep. You know, is 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 there kind of like this feeling that they're giving kind of they're they don't want to put too much on Drew Aller's shoulders. I mean, he hasn't thrown a pick yet, right? So, no, he hasn't. Yeah, so it's kind of like almost like they're treating him with kid gloves a little bit. But you watched that West Virginia game, and you would have thought he was going to be a Heisman front runner. Yeah, and you know it's it's almost like it's almost like he's pulled the reins back a little bit and been super careful with them. But yet, I understand why when you had that experience on the offensive line in the running game, but. Do, is this the game maybe where he lets it fly or is this if, or what we seeing kind of what he is? And if that's the case, why is that? Yeah, I, I, I think this this has to be the week they uh, they go and take some shots because I, a part of what I think they've been doing with the offense is they they've been su- the superior talent in all six games so far. And in the majority of those games, it's been by a wide margin, honestly. And I think they were just trying to have these long drives, take the clock down and end the game, uh, you know, get in, get out, rely on your defense and just score touchdowns at the end of drives and shorten the game as much as possible. I, against a team that is as equally talented as, or even in, probably in, in some spots on the field better than you, like Ohio State is, you're, you're not going to be able to just have these constant drives of 10 plays, 12 plays, take five, six, seven minutes off the clock and score a touchdown because thinking that you're going to constantly convert third downs against a defense like Ohio State isn't reasonable, honestly. You need to be able to have a big play that takes the top off and gives you a quick score, especially if uh, Ohio State scores a little bit, you're going to need to keep up. So I do think this is the week they need to start doing some different things and take some shots. Will they? I don't know. I, I Part of it, I think, was just getting Aller comfortable they're still trying to figure out a receiver uh, rotation, which I think is playing a role in this. Honestly, they they want to see what they got with these guys before they ask them to go down the field and make a big play. Which I would hope by now they have it somewhat figured out, considering you've played six games and have had a bye. Um, I I think they have to start. Will they? I I don't know. Like it, it's weird to 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 see this because the thought was that. With Aller taking over, there was going to be more shots taken. He had the bigger arm than Clifford. He's you know more physically gifted. They, the belief was that he he would take the offense to a level that it hadn't been at in a couple of years. Where, you know, in 2016, 2017, they took a lot of shots. In 2019, with KJ Hamler, everything was 30 yards downfield, and that's kind of disappeared recently. So I I, I think we all want them to get back to that and the the thought was Aller Wood. So I, I, I'm a little, you know, dumbfounded by how it's gone so far, but it's worked. They haven't turned it over and they've won. So it, it's hard to complain about it at this point, I guess. 
So let's let's look at some of the matchups. Yeah. And, and and talk a little bit about that. So let's talk about your defensive line against Ohio State's offensive line. Now there's mm-hmm. been a lot of talk here in Ohio about the lack of consistency from an offensive line that was replacing three starters from last right. year. And specifically at left tackle where Josh Simmons, the transfer from San Diego, California, has at times been undisciplined and has looked lost, especially in run blocking. Um, Obviously, you know, your defensive line has been a strength. The defense in general has been a strength of Penn State and, of course, the defensive line. So what matchups do you look at there that you think can be exploited on behalf of the Nittany Lions? Yeah, on it, Penn State has to be able to get after McCord if they want to win this game, especially with – I know Penn State has talented corners, but uh, even – I don't think the, the best corners in the country are going to still have their hands full with this Ohio State receiving group. So you have to get after McCord to have a chance, honest, to, honestly, in my opinion. So uh, Disa Isaac, the fifth-year defensive end, has really gotten into shape late recently. He's up to five sacks on the year, uh, I think, Chop Robinson, he has he has three too. So your two starting defensive ends have eight sacks already, and a couple backups are at two, two and a half. So they are getting after the quarterback already. And honestly, they haven't really blitzed with the linebackers like they did last year. Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter each have one sack on the year, which I think they each had at least five last year. So they're a little behind their number. So I'm interested to see if uh, – Manny Diaz starts to dial up a little more pressure with those guys because he understands that uh, his corners are in a situation they really haven't been in yet this season where they're going to be tested. I mean, no offense to the six teams Penn State play, but not none of them. I, I'm not sure there's a single uh, receiver Penn State's played this year that would crack the starting rotation at at Ohio State. Like I Probably and I, I, I really don't think so. So, you know, this is a unique challenge. Obviously, one of the toughest in the country for a corner. So I I do think they need to bring more pressure than they have been. Uh, It's kind of easy when you're a lot more talented than all these teams, just take your front four and let them go after them. And so far that's worked. I, I I don't think that'll be the case this week. I think Carter and Jacobs will get more involved in the pass rush too. So that, that, that is the one area where I think Penn state has an advantage is to get after McCord via defensive ends versus tackles. Um, I think Ohio State's a little more sound on the interior of the offensive line, and that's kind of a weaker spot for Penn State's defensive line. So, you know, that that's one area where it could be a little bit of a challenge, but Penn State, I think, needs to get on the edges and uh, go after McCord. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I mean, that's obviously where the weakness of this offensive line has been. I mean, what we – at least on one side. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, Josh Fryer, the right tackle – um, he had a start last year. We we thought he was going to be our left starting left tackle. Midway through uh, fall camp, they moved him to right. He was definitely more comfortable there. He's really kind of coming into his own mm-hmm. uh, and, and has uh, really started to do a lot of good things in the running game. That being said, how is the Penn State defense when it comes to stopping the run? Because Ohio State has struggled to get the running game going. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about the fact that Ohio State's not tough, which right. I don't understand how running the football <laughs> equates to toughness, you know, necessarily. Yeah. I think that's kind of a, a thing that Jim Harbaugh wants out there in, in the world. But I also want to touch on the fact that uh, uh, Manny Diaz, when asked about Ohio State's toughness, was like, no comment. 
reading between the lines <laughs> there, I think he was like, yeah, I ain't going to talk about this. Like, I'm not going to give Ryan Day any yeah. more fuel for the fire. But um, how confident are you, number one, you can stop Ohio State in the running game? And number two, what do you think he dials up to stop the running game? Do you think it's literally just on the on the backs of on the defensive line and making sure the linebackers read their keys well and, and, and keeping Ohio State under four yards per carry? Uh, yeah, so ju- just start off, Penn State's only given up around 70-ish uh, rush yards per game this year. I know part of that is the fact that in college, uh, quarterback rushing yards, the sack thing. So that number's a little, I guess, overblown by the amount of sacks Penn State's had this year. But And also the fact that Penn State has pretty much blown out every team in the second half, and these teams just can't run the ball anymore. So I, I, I can't give you really a, a fair assessment of Penn State's run defense because they haven't really been needed – to be challenged yet so this this will be honestly their first real test too uh in terms of what diaz is gonna have to do i think he's gonna have to rely on the front seven because i i, I don't think he feels good about bringing extra men into the box with the way ohio state's wide receivers are uh i know they trust the cornerbacks king and dixon but you know this is just a different animal and they're gonna give them safety help uh so i i do think he is gonna have to rely on his front seven and We'll see how that goes. Kobe King, the middle linebacker, has honestly improved a lot versus last year. So I'm interested to see how he does in his first big challenge against a uh, a really good, talented team. Obviously, Ohio State has a lot of different running backs. I know I know some of them are banged up, so I don't know uh, what the situation is there. But I think this will be a good challenge for them. So far, they've they've held their own, but it hasn't been a a tough challenge yet. So I. I it's hard to give a good answer there, but I, I do think they're improved from last year. I think they took the beating Michigan gave them last year and they learned from it. I think because even Ohio State didn't run for a ton on, on them. Uh, Minnesota, who was a good run team last year, didn't have a lot of success running on them. And even Utah, who did get behind the Rose Bowl, who liked to run the ball, they, they didn't have a really great day running either. So I think they did learn something after Michigan embarrassed them really bad last year, but it, it's still hard to tell so far. All right, let's flip over to the other side of the football mm-hmm. and talk about uh, your offensive line with versus our defensive line. Coming into the season, we really thought Ohio State's defensive line was going to be what leads the way for this defense, yeah. and surprisingly, it hasn't been. Uh, it's been solid linebacker play from two uh, seniors in Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg, mm-hmm. and then our defensive backfield has played mm-hmm. lights out this year. Uh, now, we're, we're still waiting on word as we record this on Monday evening if the injury that Denzel Burke suffered uh, in the second half against Purdue, what what that constitutes coming into this game. Uh, hopefully he's okay. But even even uh, at the over at the other corner position in Igbenosa, as well as the safety positions this year, Ohio State has played extremely well. Yeah. Up front has been interesting. We do not nearly have the sack totals that you guys have had. Uh, We have struggled to get home once again. Now, some of that is because I think teams were were playing keep away. Right. And and a lot of quick three-step, get the ball out of your hands uh, option. We played an Indiana ran option in the first game. It was like, (laughs) what is going on? Upside down world here. Um, so some of it is, has been a little bit of planned by other opponents, but Mm -hmm. last week we finally, the floodgates finally opened, but Purdue's offensive line was incredibly banged up. Um, they were starting, uh, 
two starters were out and then they had two more starters uh, go out in the game. So we yeah. were really playing their backup offensive line. They should dominate that. But Penn State's offensive line for years was the weak spot of their team. And it seems like the last couple seasons, that has become a real strength for you guys. Uh, yeah, I'll say the the tackle spot is probably as good as it's ever been since Franklin's been here. Olu Fashanu, probably a top 10 pick at left tackle. And Caden Wallace, who left the game against Ohio State last year, and then his backup came in, and that's when JTT went crazy. Uh, he's He's really improved, I think. He's an older guy. I think he's kind of seen that he needs to get it going now if he wants to have an NFL future, and he really has improved. So uh, you feel good about the tackle spots. Uh, the center, Hunter Norzad, moving over from guard, it, it was a little rough the first first couple weeks. Uh, a lot of his snaps were really high in the West Virginia game that came out. He had like a hand injury, but he, he's looked a lot better recently. The guard position is where it's still a work in progress. Landon Tangwell, the projected starting left tack or left guard before the year, medically retired uh, about three or four days before the season started, and that really put a shake into things. And then JB Nelson, who filled in for him, got carted off against Northwestern and then didn't play uh, this past week. So they're kind of rotating guys. Vega Yeone, I, I think that's how you say his last name. They, they change the pronunciation every year now. Uh, he's been filling in there. Sal Wormley, a veteran guy, has been playing a lot of right guard. And then uh, Nick Dawkins, the son of Daryl Dawkins, actually just started getting some reps at uh, right guard this week after he was mostly the backup center uh, so far this season. So he's kind of got in the rotation now. So they're still trying to figure out the guard spots, but uh, center and the two tackle spots you feel really good about. And it, it's been it, that's been important because it's kept Aller upright, especially on the blind side with the left tackle spot. And it's done a lot for him and done a lot for the offense. So, you know, that, that's a big thing. I was surprised, too, that Ohio State has not been crazy in the sack department either, just because I know there's a lot of five-star talent there. So, I, you know, I don't think Penn State will play keep away the way other teams have. I think they understand they have to try to run their offense to win this game instead of just trying to, you know, make it respectable like maybe some of those other teams were trying to do. So, that, that's something to look forward to, but I, I feel good about the tackles a lot more than I did last year when Ohio State came in and their defense ends really took over the game. You know, I think there's also been this kind of um, change in philosophy defensively mm -hmm. this year for Ohio State to be like, hey, make sure you keep everything in front of you. And so there's been a little bit of this containment type of look on the outside of things. Make sure they don't, you know, that they don't run screens on us. No one's really ran a screen on us all year. Hmm. Um, and so there's been kind of this, yeah, uh, make sure you know the running back, make sure he, he cuts it back inside so Tommy and Steele can clean it up. Don't let him get around you. So I don't know if that's played into a little bit of the inability to get to the quarterback because right. there's been more of this emphasis on containment. But uh, they've done it well, but, you know, there's been kind of a trade-off, unfortunately. Now, we are getting good pressure up the up the middle, which sounds could bode well for us. Yeah, with I think Michael so. Michael Hall Jr., Tyreek mm -hmm. Williams, uh, who are both big four-star recruits who are now in their third year in the program. Both those guys have played incredibly well throughout their careers when, when called upon. And um, it, it's one of those things where when teams put a lot of the emphasis on the outside stopping Jack Sawyer and JTT, they just kind of bull rush up the middle and create havoc. So 
that sounds like that might be advantage Ohio State if there's I think be an so, advantage yeah. on your offensive line against your offensive line. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, that being said, how do you think this game is going to go? Like, if as a, as a Penn State fan in a perfect world, how do you anticipate this game going? If all things go well for James Franklin in the shoe. Yeah, I like I kind of mentioned earlier. I think it starts with hitting McCord, rushing him, sacking him, uh, getting Ohio State behind the chains because it seems like no matter what, since 2016, Penn State has struggled to keep Ohio State off the scoreboard at times, no matter how good their defense has been coming into the game. I know part of it last year was the fact that uh, the offense put them really behind the eight ball and gave up a few touchdowns of their own. But, you know, historically that's been the case. So that's a big thing on that side of the ball, just – not allowing obviously Marvin Harrison to go nuts all over. He's obviously going to get his, but as long as it's not a 150, 200 yard day, I think you feel good. Um, you know, for the, I, I look more at the offense for Penn State, honestly. Can they hit a couple big plays? Can Singleton break a couple runs of 15, 20 yards that keep the chains moving? Because I, I don't think they're going to be able to have all these long drug out drives that they've had all year. I, I think they're going to have to hit some big plays and Receivers are going to have to step up. That, that's a big thing I'm looking for now. They just got Harrison Wallace back this past week, who was a starter in week one and then hasn't really played since then. He's been injured. So that, that that is a big thing for Aller in the offense. And he had a decent game against UMass, but it's hard to really take anything away from that um, outside of the fact that he's healthy, I guess. Right. But he, he got on the field. Yeah, that, that was the big thing, mm-hmm. right? Whatever he did, it's you take it. But uh, – I, I think it's just hit McCord and you have to make some big plays on offense. It it really comes down to that because Ohio State will make big plays if you do not get to their quarterback. And I, I don't think all these long drives can be reasonable against an elite defense. So I hear you saying you guys want to keep it a low-scoring affair. The lower the score, the better your chance of winning the football I, game. I think so, yeah. If this becomes a shootout advantage Ohio State. so. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, if this is a, if this is a, another Notre Dame type of game for us, then, you know, then the odds are eventually you're going to lose one of those. You're not going to get, mm-hmm. you know, incredibly lucky and win on the last play of the game every single time. But, uh, um, in- interesting, interesting, uh, uh, I guess perspective there from you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. What questions do you have for me, Alec? Yeah. You know, um, Obviously, I know there was a lot of questions about McCord coming into the season, but at least from an outsider standpoint, I, I look at that final drive against Notre Dame where he, I guess if you want to say grew up, use that word, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, w- would you say that's fair that since then he's kind of been a different guy? Oh, yeah, there's definitely more confidence. Now, it's funny, we it the bye couldn't have come at a worse time because you have all right. that great momentum and then you yeah. go into a bye week and then you come out and you play a very – a pesky uh, Maryland team that was, right. you know, riding high five and zero, mm-hmm. and it t- it took a, it took McCord a good quarter and a half to wake up, you know, from the the slumber of a bye week, and right. I think that's just inexperience. Mm-hmm. Um, but he looked really good in a bad weather game in West Lafayette this past week. Had a great second half against Maryland. Uh, you combine, I think the last six quarters he's thrown for almost 600 yards. Wow. Um, so, you know, I would say he's, he's doing well. He's feeling more comfortable in the offense. Um, but you know, this past weekend, Ryan day 
really threw a wrinkle into this offense that no one was expecting with the red zone Devin Brown yeah, read option. Yeah. And we none of us were expecting that. And outside of the fumble on the goal line that he had on his second possession in the red zone, um, he went two of three. Uh, scoring touchdowns in the red zone other than the fumble. He would have been three of three. Plus, he got in at the end of the game and threw a beautiful ball um, to five-star freshman. And uh, and looks, you know, so there's the, the passing threat is there. He's not just going to be a running quarterback. And so I thought for, you know, it was very interesting that Ryan Day waited to the game before Penn State to pull that out of the playbook. Yeah. And showed James Franklin and Mario Diaz, hey, we can do this as well. Something mm-hmm. more for you to prepare for. Um, we have a little going bet that he gets in the game again on the goal line and Penn State's looking for it and you get the Tim Tebow jump pass. Right. <laughs> I can see like, that. It's like setting up for it. But, yeah. yeah, that's a good question on McCord. I would say McCord is um, developing right where he should be mm-hmm. given the fact that he's been on the bench learning for the last two years. Is he C.J. Stroud when it comes to arm uh, accuracy? No, he's not. Um, he is. He's been willing to run a little bit more than C.J. was, but he is not athletic at all. He's not like someone who's going to break one off and right. and run by everybody. And when he goes the slide, it is the ugliest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> it's very yeah. Dr- Drews aren't that good either. Yeah, it's it's these, <laughs> these bigger pocket passer guys that can't really do it. Yeah, it's like you guys didn't never play baseball. Come on, man. It's just funny. But um, no, so I think Devin Brown bringing him in was the way to give that wrinkle to the offense mm-hmm. that says now we have a whole different thing that you need to prepare for with the read option because yeah. uh, he's not running and McCord's not running a read option. He just, it's not his thing. No one really believes he's going to tuck it and run. Right. <laughs> so, so it, it was, a, it was an interesting wrinkle, but you know, yeah, I think McCord's thing is he will throw an interception. He's not afraid to try to put it in a tight window. Um, and because he's not as accurate as CJ, there have been some drops that should have been some interceptions. In fact, that game-winning drive against uh, Notre Dame, there oh, yeah. two drops, man. Yeah, I saw that. That, yeah. that should have been interceptions. So, yeah, he's, he's been kind of lucky at times, too, to be completely honest with you. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, with the whole Devin Brown package, a lot of people are waiting for Penn State to do that with their backup, too, because that was something Penn State was notorious for. They did it with Tommy Stevens, and then they did it with Will Levis. So, Prabilo, uh, the backup quarterback, is kind of that same – ilk so that's something penn state might pull out this week i i don't i don't know but uh people are kind of waiting for that uh i will say obviously there were a lot of injuries for ohio state uh this past week was that maybe more precautionary stuff so they were ready for penn state or is there so, any legitimate yeah, so concern there, i think there there was definitely holding travion henderson out for a second consecutive week was on purpose mm-hmm. wet field it was um bad conditions why risk it? We should right. be able to win this game anyways. Let's hold him out for one more week. He did warm up with the team. He's done that two weeks in a row and mm-hmm. just not played. Um, Mayan Williams, the backup running back, has been interesting this year. He's been MIA most of the year. Hmm. Um, the rumor was is that he gained too much weight. He has a weight limit. He's a, he's a, a weight problem uh, when he came okay. into Ohio State. Um, he cut the weight, looked good on his one. He had one series. He was running over people um, against Maryland. And then crickets again last week. 
nowhere. Didn't even dress. Um, and then Chip Tranum, the third string running back, who's filled in very nicely for Ohio State last couple weeks. He's 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 almost a glorified fullback in a way. Uh, he's been a lead blocker for Henderson at times. He got his bell rung. He's in concussion <laughs> protocol now. So Dallin Hayden, who was a, a sophomore this year, who was a 500-yard rusher as a freshman last year, who we he was our like our last option, played admirably against Michigan at the end of the year. Um, the plan was to redshirt him this year. Mm, and okay. now it's like red shirt gone. We need you. So he will probably be the backup to Henderson. And if Henderson can't go again, it's going to be Dallin Hayden. Now there's a lot of confidence in Dallin Hayden. He can do the job. Um, he's just, he's young and doesn't have a ton of experience. Like I said, he did play some as a freshman, but obviously you want the home run threat that Henderson gives you. Um, Henderson is is kind of the guy who's going to go two yards, one yard, three yards, 70. Yeah, Matt know? Singleton. Yeah, they're pretty yeah. similar. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Emeka Buka <clears throat> got injured at the end of the Maryland game, was a scene in a boot, didn't make the trip to West Lafayette last week. Word was, why risk it? We'll find out where he's at this week. Um, if Egbuka can't go, it's not panic time because, again – we replace five yard five star receivers with more five star receivers, so right. <clears throat> it, 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 you know there's a there's a part there's a portion of the fan base that's like uh oh, but at the same time, um, I'm not too worried about that either. So yeah, those are kind of the big injuries. We really and then the one I mentioned with Burke that right. one that one's scary because if Burke can't go, you're losing your number one corner shut down corner who's been electric all year he's only given up he's like averaging only giving up less than one catch a game oh wow uh, he has been really yeah. good they're saying he could be a top the number one corner taken next year if you know until this happened but mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see what what happens what, what um how this week goes for him hopefully he can make a go of it saturday yeah i i guess my last thing is more of a uh a fan question but uh what's the disappointment level with you guys for this being a noon game versus oh, uh, a night terrible. game <laughs> we hate it yeah we, here's what's crazy the last i mean we had to do it last year too yeah yeah the last three years our best games at night games that have happened have been mm-hmm. on the road yeah you know notre dame got a night game with us uh and then some of them don't make sense we have a night game with michigan state <laughs> yeah i know i saw that <laughs> no one's <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, we're going to pull out the special jersey that night and everything and try to make it as good as we can, you know. But, yeah, um, yeah this should be, in our opinion, this should be an automatic night game every year yeah. last last Saturday in October. That's perfect. It's the kind of the Halloween game for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what it should be. That should be – in my opinion, and in, in our opinion, in the players' opinion, too, because you talk to a lot of the ex-players who love the Penn State rivalry, man, uh, all going all the way back to the 90s when you guys joined the Big Ten. This was this was huge. Um, and to get that get the rug pulled out from under us with, oh, you don't get to play them every year first. You know, that's what they did when they released the schedules the first time. Yeah. And it was like, well, you're kidding us, right? And then 
uh, and then to tell you guys, you guys don't even have a rival is when you guys are like, wait a second, we've been, yeah. <clears throat> we've got Ohio State. And of course, you know the Ohio State thing with Michigan, mm-hmm. but there, yes, yes, Penn State is is our rival as well. We view, I mean, the majority of the fan base, and I know for a fact the players view that as a rivalry and the fact that the big 10 for some reason kind of is like, no, it's not. It's kind of like, what do they yeah. call it? They called it instead of a, a traditional rival, a competitive rivalry. Is that what they mm. worded? it? I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Makes no sense, but I'm glad to see that we are on the schedule again next year. Yeah. That is uh, nice. so we will be, we will be making the trip to happy Valley. Hopefully it will be a night game because Ohio state versus Penn state and a whiteout is what it should be every freaking mm-hmm. time. Yeah, I I know from at least 2013 to 2018, it was a night game every year. And then since then, 21 was a night game and 20 with no one in the stands was a night game. And then it's been, it was noon in 19, uh, noon last year. And it was three thirty. it was a three 30 in the one when Saquon. Yeah. When Ohio state had the, uh, yeah, that was 17. Yeah. yeah, That was a three 30 game because I was at that one. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. Um, might've been a noon possibly anyways. Um, yeah, that wasn't a night game. Uh, I was there. I remember it, but, uh, yeah, I agree with you, man. Like this, this should be a given, but when Fox yeah. came in and wanted to make noon kind of the, their slot for the right. game, you knew that they were going to be like, no, we want that game and we want it at noon. So it's, yeah. it's not going to change. Unfortunately, I don't, I just don't foresee it changing until NBC, would step up and pay the rights for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, you know, we, we t- I know we talked about this when I came on before the season, but the the three way eleven one thing still yeah. looks pretty likely to me. Uh, it, it could happen. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, Penn State got a huge boost in that this past weekend with Iowa beating Wisconsin and Illinois beating Maryland, and then it came out that uh, Wisconsin's quarterback broke his hand, I think. So they they might drop a couple more that, that was an interesting development this weekend in the uh the case of the three 11 and ones yeah because if 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 iowa ends up winning the west then i think if you look at how things break down and we all go 11 and one penn state's probably going to get to go yeah the Big 10 championship um where if penn state would have won it probably would have been ohio state yeah um but we'll see because right now, I thought if all three went 11-1, they all would end up in the college football playoff. But yeah, I that, just don't see that happening now. Nah. Because you have Florida State, who's going to run away with the ACC, it looks like. You have Oklahoma, who's much better than I thought they were. Yeah, me too. I do. I still think the Pac-12 cannibalizes itself. Yeah, that, that could happen. You know, it's crazy, though. In, in the case that that doesn't happen the committee might have to leave out an undefeated conference champion. Yeah. Which like would what, be crazy like Washington, to see. Oklahoma, FSU, uh, Florida State, Georgia. And the Big Ten. I yeah. think Georgia's going to lose one. Yeah, I, I, I think that could happen. How I, crazy would yeah. it be to see no SEC team in the last year? <laughs> It'd be fun. On It'd be a little <laughs> fun to see. The yeah. world would celebrate, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> No, I, I I think Georgia's Georgia can be had, yeah. Um, and I I don't know if it'll be Bama that gets them when mm-hmm. they go to the the SEC championship game, 
But a one-loss Alabama or even a one-loss Georgia SEC champion is going to get in over an 11-1 Big Ten non-Big Ten champion. Yeah, Um, that is unfortunate. It would have been nice to have the uh, the 12th team this year. That, that's all I'll say. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, there's so many really good football teams yeah, this year. Yeah, there's a lot and of I, good teams. This year is, feels like it's more wide open than it's been in a long time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you got – I mean, shoot. This was crazy. But you've got, like, Notre Dame going into Louisville. Louisville stunning them. Turning right, right around the next week, Louisville goes to – Pittsburgh, one and four pit and it gets beat. And then Notre Dame takes down USC. I mean, not only takes them down, kicks their teeth in. Like there's a lot of craziness going on. And so I thought, even though right now it's kind of like probably not going to happen, you never know what's going to happen in the last part of the season. Exactly. Uh, And, you know, there could be some serious upsets, but I was hoping to see multiple big 10 teams in. We still might get that. Yeah. But it's looking more and more like whichever team comes out of the East is guaranteed to be in, mm-hmm. despite you maybe even having one loss. Yeah. Uh, but whichever team gets out of the East is probably going to be in, and that might be the only team, which is really unfortunate because I really do believe that Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan might be three of the, let's say, best top five in the country yeah. right now. And there's an argument could be said that they are three of the top four. It sure feels that way right now to mm-hmm. me. Um, interesting to note, get your reaction on this. All right. Since week three, I've had Penn State ahead of Ohio State in the big banner rankings. Okay. Yeah. I have. Yeah. Okay? Knowing that, and knowing that I feel that this could be very much a, a coin flip game, where are you at in that? Do you feel like these two teams are extremely even, or do you're like, no, Penn State is better? Because my, my eyeballs have told me this year Penn State looks better. They're more complete than Ohio State has been. But I want to get your opinion on that. Ranking-wise, where do you think you guys, we, our two teams are at? Because let's be honest, that even though Michigan has not played anybody, yeah. sorry, Victor's Nation, but you guys have not played anybody. <laughs> They have looked the most they have. impressive. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, the, the funny thing with me and Penn State and Ohio State is I think they are pretty even from the sense that we just talked about Penn State has good offensive tackles and a bad interior offensive line. Ohio State has questions that tackle in a good interior. And on the defensive side, it's, um, you know, they Penn State has good defensive ends and there's a question mark at tackle, whereas – Ohio State's stronger at tackle and some questions at defensive end. And then, uh, you know, Penn State might be a little deeper at running back and tight end, but no one's deeper in the country at receiver than Ohio State. I I just think it's funny that uh, where one team is strong, the other team seems to be a little weaker. Uh, That's something I've I've looked at a lot, honestly, going through this year. And both teams, you know, starting former five-star quarterbacks who sat a year or two behind a veteran. You know, there's a lot of similarities between McCord and Aller, I think. So I, I've looked at these teams as pretty much even, and I gave Penn State the slight edge earlier in the season by, you know, really much beating up on West Virginia and Iowa, two teams. You know, I was ranked again, and West Virginia has been a solid team, and Penn State won a couple of road Big Ten games against Illinois Northwestern. I know they're not good, but they're road conference games. But now since... 
the Notre Dame game, I have kind of put Ohio State ahead by a little bit. Just that's a huge win and on the road. Uh, so I, I've been I've been down the middle of the two of them. I, I do think Michigan is probably one, and then I think Penn State Ohio State is kind of like a two A two B right now. And I think this game will decide it. And that's why I don't see either team winning this game by more than maybe six points. Yeah. I'm at a field goal right now. Like, and, and I'll be dead on it. It's Monday. It's early, so I'm not going to give my prediction yet. But I'll say my score is 27 24. Mm-hmm. I just got to decide which one's going to score 27 right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> like, I, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's I'm in the same wild. boat. I, yeah. I'm, I've gone back and forth. I, I think there's things that both teams can easily exploit. Uh, you know, Ohio State could just come down, come out, chuck the ball down the field of Marvin Harrison and, put Penn State away and then get after Aller, which is something that no one's done yet this year. So that that could happen. And then I could see pretty much the opposite happen. Penn State gets after McCord and all of a sudden Mike Yersich had a different playbook from the first six games of the year and Singleton runs for three 30-yard runs and Aller hits on two 40-yard passes. I I mean, I'd, I'd like to see that happen. I know they went downfield a little more against UMass. Uh, they hit on one. Two of them were literally dropped like right in the hands. And then I think one was way overthrown, but they at least took some chances. So I think they're warming up to the idea of it. And I, I do believe that that could be the difference. If I think the difference could be which team hits on a couple big plays because both of these defenses I think are really good and aren't going to give up enough. It's just who makes kind of the one or two mistakes where the big play happens. Alec, tell everybody where they can get your podcast at, man. Yeah, so uh, if you're looking on a podcast platform, it's Booze, Bets, and Ball, a Penn State football podcast on YouTube. It's under my media channel where I do other stuff. We do baseball stuff, too. Uh, that's Whitaker Media, W-H-I-T-A-K-E-R. And then on uh, Twitter slash X, the podcast is under three, the number three, and then the letter B, and then pod PSU. There you guys go, man. If you're a Penn State fan listening to this, I highly recommend you check out that uh, podcast. Make it a part of your weekly listen. If you are a Ohio State fan and you're finding this through uh, Booze, Bets, and Ball, a Penn State podcast, by all means, check us out at the Ohio podcast. Uh, You can find us at YouTube. At, at the Ohio pod, uh, as well as under big banter at big banter sports.com, uh, where you find both of us at as well, as long as, yeah. as well as 14 or excuse me, 13, 12 other team podcasts. Some of them are good. <laughs> you know, I don't know about yeah. the turtle heads, but uh, the rest <laughs> of them are all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding guys. You guys, <laughs> you guys have already moved on the basketball. We understand. So, uh, Alec, enjoy this game, man. I will. I'm, I'm going to be out there for it. So I'm, oh, uh, great. I'm, hey. I'm looking out. I'm looking at, uh, forward to going out there. It, I tell you what, look, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, send me a message, Alec. Uh, we'll be um, tailgating at St. John Arena. Okay. Uh, I'll let you know where we're at. You can come stop by and say hi to everybody and, and uh, be a part of We're going to do some uh, pregame media and everything. Uh, so by all means, we'd love to have you. And if whoever you're coming with and going to go to the game with, uh, by all means, stop by and get some breakfast and, I don't know if you can drink yet. You seem awful young. Uh, like no, I'm, I'm, I'm good there. Don't worry. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, there'll, there'll be plenty of booze for your booze basketball. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you so much for watching. Enjoy the game, Alec. And we will be back to preview more with all of you as Aaron, Chris, and myself break this game down on a daily. Take care, everybody.
The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. The OHIO Podcast. Really appreciate it. Here we go, man. It is it is time to tell people what we think is going to happen. You know, all week long I've had the same score in my head. I just don't know. I didn't know who's going to win it. Like, I've been flipping back and forth on the same score. Obviously, I think this is going to be a close one. All three of us think this is going to be a close one. So without any further ado, here is our predictions. All right. Aaron, you think it's going to be 27-24 Buckeyes. Chris? 24-17, Ohio State. Aaron, I have the exact same score you do. 27-24, to 24, good guys do prevail on Saturday. I like how Ohio State's kind of got the recent history in their favor. And I'll tell you why I went Ohio State 27-24 and not Penn State 27-24. This one's home. It's in the shoe. If this was in... Penn State's home home field, especially if it was a whiteout, I don't think we're going to win this one. But I feel good about this being in the shoe. All right. Here's what I want you to do, folks. Put your prediction down in the comments section right here on YouTube. If you're listening to this on audio, head over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash at the Ohio podcast. Just look up the Ohio podcast, all one word. You'll find us. Go there. Find this video. It'll have a Penn State helmet and Ohio State helmet. Go there, check it out, put your prediction in the comment section. You can win some merch from the Ohio podcast. If you can get first person to get the exact score on their prediction, first person to do it will win some merch. Chris, how did you come up with your score 24-17? Well, I just think that the two defenses are both legit. Um, and I think it's going to be a fairly low scoring game. Uh, I do think that... <clears throat> Drew Aller has yet to really face competition. And I think that Ohio State's defense is going to you know, provide that competition. I think we can score enough points here to win with 24. Um, but I don't feel that uh, Penn State's offense is, like you said, they're not real explosive. Uh, I just don't think that they're a big scoring offense when you have a defense to play against. So I've got them at 24-17. Aaron, how'd you come up with your score? 24-21. Or 27-24, sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Um, although I did mull that option, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, it was tough, but uh, I, a lot of the same reasons Chris said, to be honest with you, I can see this being the same or similar struggle as what we saw with Notre Dame. Um, Penn State's not an explosive offense. They control the clock. I think the defenses are going to play a big factor in this, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually lower than what I any of us actually predicted. I could be it. I could see it being a seventeen thirteen. I could. See Don't be that. surprised if a defensive touchdown makes the difference in this one, guys. Yeah, and and th- my my logic, okay, is going to be another piece of Kyle McCord magic on a final drive or a near final drive. I could see us trailing late, 24-20. Kyle McCord makes it happen. 
perhaps with Marvin Harrison, maybe a Mecca again. Maybe it's a run play. I don't know. But I think that it's going to take some McCord magic to get us through this again. I think that this is one of those games where the home the home crowd makes mm-hmm. a difference. And they will. I, I was in the shoe with JT's greatest moment in the come from behind win. And that I'm telling I'm I take credit for this win. I do. I take credit for that. It was not JT. It was the home crowd. No, I'm kidding. He had a phenomenal. He was, he was, he was out of his mind in the second half. He, that was the best half of football that man ever played. He was hitting everybody. Do you think that JTT is still in the mind of Penn state from last year? And uh, you think it's going to affect no. how they play or play? So Alec explained to me, as you, as all of you just heard, that that happened a lot because of an injury, and they were playing a backup, the starters back, and they are they they're not going to let that happen again. That was a once in a once in a lifetime game, man. Now I I think we can where we do have the advantage is up the middle. I think that this could be a Michael Hall Jr. and Tyleek Williams blows everything up from up the middle. Um, their guards are not very good. Their tackles are great, but their guards are guards are the weakness. And I think we can really exploit that on on our defense. It's not only stopping the rush up the middle, but also creating pressure and making Drew very uncomfortable with a rush coming up the middle. That's that's my two cents to it. So, in fact, I'll just throw it out there. Um, I say Michael Hall Jr. and Tyler Williams both get a sack this Saturday. That'd be great. That's what we need. If we can secure the middle and get the outside, you know, protect that swing pass area, I think we're good. Cool. All right, guys, thank you so much. Again, put your comments or your score, sorry, put your score prediction in the comments section below. First person who predicts the exact score correctly will win some free merch here from the Ohio podcast, guys. All right, please like, share, subscribe. We really do appreciate that. Give us a five-star if you're listening on whatever device you're listening to the audio version of this podcast. That really does help. And as we continue to try to grow this medium and reach more Ohio State fans just like yourself, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OA. And sing Carmen Ohio with all your heart. No, all your heart. Till next time. Oh, IO. IO. Go by. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.